the Australian Hunting and Beyond podcast with Matt. The hunting journey continues. Let's get into it. I don't know about you, but growing up, I was a massive fan of Jack Bauer in 24, and I've got someone pretty close to him tonight in the uh, he's in one of his latest YouTube clips. He's he went the uh, the whole live aspect, like 24, mate. Uh, we have Cody Geard from Dropping Game. How are you, mate? Pretty good, mate. That's that's a bit of an intro. <laughs> <laughs> well, mate, I, uh, I, mate, I, I cracked up when you posted that saying, oh, <laughs> you went Jack Bauer and you did it. I'll tell you what, impressive because I've been fooling around trying to do a bit of filming when I've been out and about and I'm useless. I cannot do it for the life of me. It's just so frustrating. And then you've got blokes like you out there. You've got a double camera the other day I saw getting two angles at once and then you're uh, running real time as well. What's the secrets? Uh, I've been rock running around with the camera like ever since I got in the hunting, so it's just it's like it's just part of it. Like, but like to like it's taken me a long time to like to work out to get the footage that I got. But then like a lot of time I miss out on opportunities because I'm focused on the cameras. So it's like it's a double edged sword. It backfires a fair bit actually. I think that's yeah. When I went out the other day, that was the thing I was sort of looking at. I was going, well, hold on. I was focused on the camera and sort of where to point it and put it. It got to the point I just put it away. I went, nah, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm getting annoyed <laughs> and I'm, I'm there to hunt. And um, it's probably, you know, especially since I haven't knocked over my first year yet, I was sort of sitting there going, oh, don't worry about the filming side of it. I just want to, to play play around. But it's, um, it's just so tempting nowadays when you've got a GoPro and, you know, there's a million bloody attachments to throw it on. So it's sort of like I can just put it on the – the wrist or the the chest or the hat and then you sort of I was just thinking about it too much so I've just gone no nah, I've just brushed it and I'll leave that to you guys you blokes can do that on YouTube and I'll uh, <laughs> I'll stay clear I'll just talk on the podcast now nah, well podcasting has its own buddy challenges too <laughs> mate they are they're a bit different but uh oh look they're, they're uh, mate nowadays it's brilliant I don't do much work at all it's really easy editing and quick time the, the wife's loving it and I'm doing a bit more so which is great yeah. All right. There's a couple of stories I want to hear about tonight. And one of them, I just, look, when stuff goes up on YouTube, it's not jealousy. Like I'm really happy for people, but I just sit there and go, bloody hell, I'm battling away trying to knock over one deer and you blokes are shooting two at a time and filming it. <laughs> How'd that come about? Yeah. Uh, I'm sure you talk about the two fellow bucks. Yeah. And you weren't even chasing deer, were you? I, I, was, I was actually looking for a ball. And like he's he's been getting around. I, I in the end though, I never actually ended up filming the two bucks because like it just it was so in the split second moment. Like I like I had the camera there, but I was like, if I muck around trying to get the camera, I'm not going to get a shot off. So I was like, the bucks there, I need I need to shoot the owl. Then but I took the shot and he rolled over. Then like there's like a bachelor mob of them. Then like the the next biggest one, which actually turned out to be the bigger one, hung out about, and I took it to guess of how far he was and took a crack at him as well and. Yeah, I just ended up getting lucky getting getting the twofer. Mate, it's um you know what it's it's happened uh, it happened on a state forest hunt I went on earlier in the year. The uh, I was chasing this buck around, it was during the rut and I was chasing this buck around, couldn't get I got close to him, but just not it was so thick, it was just not a shot on. And uh one of the fellas that we met in in camp, um, shout out to James from um Blackfoot Designs. He uh he ended up going back to the the buck he shot the night before and it was <laughs> he's walking in saw another one i'll get him on so he can tell the story but he ended up shooting a, a bigger buck like yourself within 20 meters of his first buck and it oh, happened shit. to be the buck that we uh that i was chasing a good sort of three kilometers away and only about an hour earlier it was pretty crazy so i'll get him on at some stage to tell but uh i was look it's awesome and it's something I haven't really experienced that often is when you're talking about a bachelor mob, I've never even seen that because I'm, you know, I hunt public lands, you know, very, I've seen sort of the odd one or two deer. Actually, I saw the biggest group I've ever seen, which was a, a mob of eight uh, fellow just cruising along in a bow only um, forest, which was awesome. I was like, oh, I'm start that, 
that's the biggest I've seen. And then I'm hearing people talk about, mo- you know, mobs of 50 and plus, and then watching people like Nathan on edge of the outback. And then uh, his filming on during the rut was insane. I didn't realize how many deer in the one spot. That was just crazy. That's yeah, it's awesome. It's, it's good to see people getting out there and doing those sort of stuff that I don't sort of have that. I don't get that opportunity to. So it's always nice to see a different side of it. If that makes sense. Yeah, like opportunities are hard, especially for like the likes of you who like who's focused on public land and you, you go on archery as well. So that's a whole another element on top of it. But like I'm privileged where I've got access to private ground where like no one else really is allowed on. It's like family blocks, so it's like I'm the only sort of proper deer hunter in the clan. So it's sort of got it all to myself. But then like I've got my cousins; they like to have mates come over for visits and they chase deer as well. But yeah, like I just I got lucky enough that like I can do all this on myself and on my own terms and I don't really have to compete with other hunters as public land hunters would have to do. But at the same time, I board some public land. So like the big deer I get, anyone has just as much chance to get them because they wander in and off from state forest onto private land as well. So like it's about being right time, right place, right time, I suppose. And look, that's it. I went on a paid block the other week and um, just – it is what it is. It's like in one one section of the property where camp was, it was just littered with shotgun shells and cases, and there was nothing around. And even the like the roos and the wallabies, like there anything that sort of got a whiff of you, they were gone. They were so spooky. But then on the opposite side of the property, obviously it's it was like an eight hundred meter elevation from the the front gate to the campsite. So at the front of the property, obviously people aren't down there, not shooting as much. And I found that there was a heap more sign, a heap more things going on, but there was nothing there. They seemed to be a bit more nocturnal as well. So it's it's that tricky balance, isn't it? And I guess that's one of the elements that people that don't have, um, pro- sorry, don't have access to private. They don't think about knowing the block, how things are moving, things moving in and out. There's so many elements to hunting. And I guess that's one of the reasons I love hunting is there's just so many tricks and tips and challenges right throughout that you can think you know a heap and, and you're still getting fooled by an animal the next day. Yeah, it's true because like fallow deer are a fairly new thing to my area. Like they've only come in the last buddy like six or seven years where like it's been predominantly red deer like is what I've grown up chasing and like fallow deer just sort of come in the last little while when I'm slowly growing familiar with them. I've seen like little spikers and does and things during the rut, but I find all the big bucks and things during the winter months, which is sort of somewhat mind-blowing because like everyone focuses on trying to find the big ones during the rut, but I hear that I am I'm doing my job like chasing cattle or fixing a fence and I, I come across this big mob just walking around or like I actually bumped two bucks this morning, cattle mustering. So, and yeah, but if I was trying to find them during the rut, like I'm finding red stags, but I'm not finding the, the bucks. That's on my list. I This was the first rut I'd heard the fellows croaking and I just got so excited and hooked about hunting the rut now. But the next one's roaring and getting out and hearing the reds going off. I, uh, I've only seen it on YouTube and bloody hell it looks good. I'm, so I'm super keen. I'm going to get, get – I've got a couple of state forests that I know there's reds in. So I'm going to be hitting that for the roar and hopefully next year, hopefully be able just to hear one. That's the first goal. Just hearing. I was happy this year. I didn't get, a, you know, didn't get anything in the rut, but I got just to hear them croaking and that was one of my goals because that was just an insane experience and – uh, something I haven't had before, so it's always a, a you know a positive and a step in the right direction for me. Yeah, well, I, I had a good go this year because this like I my sort of my enjoyment in hunting is when I'm taking different people out. So this year, like Zach Williams from the Hunting Connection podcast, he sort of set me up with two Americans that he hunted with on his tar trip. Oh yeah. So they 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 were they were staying in Australia for a little bit, and he hit me up just going, "Hey, like they're flying in the Sydney. Do you reckon you can line up a hunt for them?" So I took him out chasing. Like I got him onto a, like a giant red stake the first afternoon, but couldn't um pull the shot off because it just happened all too quick. They weren't expecting it to happen. But yeah, I chased a different red stag the, the following day, and then like when that didn't work out, we went goat hunting that afternoon. They got a pair of billies each, and then like a Easter came around, and I had my good friend Kaji Asad and, and Lana come out hunting for Lana's first hunt because she just recently got her license and did all the, the course and everything. So I took her out for her first hunt chasing red stags and she came across to a, a pig and we got her onto her first pig. So like it was like didn't get too many things accomplished on the 
deer hunting side of things, but like it was still good rut. Oh, mate, that's the it's, it's the thing I um I, I sort of look at it and go, even though you're going out targeting a species, if something else comes up that you might not be chasing, but it's out there, I am the type that I'll still like if I come across a pig and I'm chasing deer, I'm gonna shoot the pig. Like it's not it's I'm not super selective in that side of it in the sense that I'm out there hunting, but that's sort of why you're there on public land too, that there's a, a list of species. If I see them, I'm shooting them. And I think that's one of the things that each animal has its own, I guess, um, different method of hunting. Some are a bit easier, like goats are a bit easier than deer. Everybody sort of knows that, but they're still not super easy. Like it depends what you want to do. I'm, I, I got a couple of goats um, back a while. That was my first two. And now I'm sort of, wanting to chase them a bit more but i really want to have a crack with the bow so i've been working my ass off on the bow and and um i've gone out for a couple with the, a couple of hunts now in state forest with the bow but i want to just get on to get onto some goats and chase them with the bow because i keep i hear people saying that they're a good species to hunt with the bow first up and i'm just loving the bow at the moment it's just uh, probably because i shoot at home and you can't do that with your rifle not where i live anyway yeah like um my like I got access to a mate's property and he's go country and like and the rule originally when I went there was like you can only bow hunt him because he's a bow hunter himself and he made me work hard like he made me start on the opposite end of the place and walk all the way across to get up the hill to where the goats were just to see if I was like committed to doing it and I probably did that like five or six times I bust myself like I'd always get back to the right on dark or well after dark because I'm there hunting till dark. And then, yeah, I think by the seventh time I was coming out there, he goes, oh, you can park over here so you don't have to walk as far. <laughs> well, I mean, that's part of the journey though and the experience, eh? Like I was chatting to a couple of people the other day going, I'm just, like, it doesn't bother me that I haven't got a deer yet. It's one that I'm just, it's it's all part of the journey. Any day out in the bush is a, is a win for me. And it's sort of that carrot. That to me is more exciting than um than anything else i just want to be out in the bush and i want to be getting out there i want to be hunting because it's always a good day you're learning something new and i learn best by making mistakes myself and then having that and that's so key for me is just i want to be just experiencing things and i guess that's probably how you and i started talking because we um we started talking about that after the grizzly attack that i had on episode one (laughs) and um you mentioned that you've got a bit of a story. Now, I'm hell keen on just here. Like, I just love having a chat about hunting. But when it comes to, like, close encounters of different species, I get super excited and go, hey, my ears perk up. <laughs> I'm a bit like Joe Rogan. I love how he reacts when there's a bear thing because I'm very similar. I just – I'm fascinated in awe by those animals. And you've had not a – but you were hunting bear. But you had a, a reasonably close encounter that I'd, uh, I'd probably, you know – I'd be concerned. <laughs> Do you want to tell us about that? Yeah, well, um, to sort of set the scene, I was in Croatia at the time. I was and I was doing a, a brown bear hunt in Croatia. It was the first night. It was the f- first hunt of the night because um, they hunt bears over there at night because they're nocturnal, and which sort of that threw me off a little bit because I wanted I thought I'd be hunting them during the day, but that's that's okay. And you're hunting out of a blind, which is what most Europeans do. So you're hunting out of a blind and you're hunting off a bait pile, which what they were using, they were using like the leftover scraps from the local butcher shop and mixed in with like bits of corn and like sugar syrups and stuff, something that they'd eat the, the draw of the bears in. Because I was in there, it was March, so I was autumn here, but it was, it was early spring there. So like they encouraged me to go over there during the spring because that's when like the, the coats are really nice as a trophy, and which I wasn't too fussed on. I just wanted to get a bear. So I went over there, like organised this trip. And it was the first night. And part part of when you're hunting there, you're um you gotta technically join the local club. So I suppose it's like public land. I'm not entirely sure, but it's like it's like a, a forestry type scenario, but the hunting club has the rights to hunt it, but people still can still go hiking and whatnot through it. So there's lots of road like road trails and stuff for the loggers and shit to go through. So but I I joined the local club and my guide was the local firefighter. So he, he took me out to his blind. So he sat there the night. We drove to it in a Toyota Yaris. <laughs> Good hunting car. A hunting vehicle, apparently. <laughs> yeah. So we drove, yeah, drove up to like probably 300 yards from the blind and then walked the west of the way 
there is a cave probably 100, 150 yards away from the bait pile. So that's what where the bears are hibernating. So it's like they'll come out of the cave and they'll, they'll hit the bait. So that was the plan. So we get in there at about 4 o'clock in the afternoon and then like we're just going to sit there all night and wait. And from about, say, 6.30 at night to about 9 o'clock, it's just pitch black. You can't see a thing because it's that dark till the moon gets over the horizon and starts shining out. Then you can you can see pretty well in the moonlight and the snow. So we're sitting there. Like we, we've seen a few owls move around. Then like a badger came around and started knocking off a bit of the bait. More time passes. And like I'm struggling to keep your eyes open, but you're that cold that you can't fall asleep anyway. Even I'm pretty sure I might decide me was having a bit of a snore. So, and then like, I just see these two figures walking along the road towards the bait pile. I'm looking at them and oh, mate beside me goes, oh, wolves. I said, oh, sweet. I've never seen a wolf before. Like, that's pretty sweet. And if I was to describe the size of them, I'd descri- there was only two. The smallest one would be the size of the biggest German Shepherd dog you've ever seen. And then the other one was triple the size of that. Yeah, wow. Oh, just a huge animal. So I was like, oh, like I was talking to the guy like in whispers. I was like, oh, like, are they fair game? Like, can you hunt them? He goes, they're fair game for Croatian local hunters, but not for you international fellas. Like, it's like it's regulated through the seasons on like whether there's too many or not. When there's too many, then they'll they'll do a bit of a cull. But like, that's not till like the, towards the end of the year when the winter's approaching. Then like at this time of year. They just sort of leave and be. I said, oh, yeah, right, yo. He says, oh, do you want to film a bit of it? I'm just going, oh, it's too dark. I can't I can't film it as much as I want to. See, so anyway, they go and they knock off the bear bait and they take off and turns to about 3 a.m. And old mate goes, right, oh, we're not going to see a bear tonight. We'll we'll head back to the lodge. I said, oh, yeah, right, yo. So he opens the trap door that's underneath the blind. I climb down first. I turn my headlamp on. Oh, there's wolf tracks here. I look up at old mate and he's looking at the wolf track and he just goes pale. I was going, oh, do wolves normally do that? And he goes, no. He goes, oh, okay. So anyway, we follow the wolf tracks from where they originally came. What happened was the wolves got onto the road and they found the car tracks for the Aris. They followed it all the way to the Aris and they found our footprints. Then they tracked us to the blind. Then they sat underneath the blind waiting for us to come out. Got sick of waiting, then went when th- stole the bear bait. Holy shit. <laughs> <sighs> Mate, man, that's crazy. <laughs> Imagine going out a bit earlier when they, they hadn't knocked off to go get the bear bait and you're just waiting for you. You're you're trying to ambush a bear and they're ambushing you. Oh man. Yeah, oh look. Like if it was like just like if we decided to quit like a, an hour or so later and just open the door and see the giant f-ing dogs underneath you, like shit. <laughs> Did he get heart racing? Like when when he's sort of gone a bit white and you're like, because uh, we don't deal with wolves or anything like that. Like, yeah, okay, we got wild dogs, but they're nowhere near as big. When you're describing the size of them and you're thinking, geez, they're like they're very capable of taking humans down, obviously. Were you then going, holy crap, were you on a bit, you know, was the head on a swivel as you were sort of walking out of it? Oh, there? yeah, definitely. Like I was like the head, the head on the back of my neck rose up and I'm like looking over my shoulder like he handed me the rifle. Because we had two rifles, one of them, was just a normal 308 with a scope on it. The other one had it was a 308 with a um, night vision scope on it. And he had me both. I'm just going like, well, I was trying to decide which one I needed to drop if I needed to let bullets fly. <laughs> oh, 100%. Oh, man. Was it fire to the car? Yeah, it was like, like a 300 meter walk. Okay. So, yeah, I would have been uh, lighting up the area. <laughs> just, you know, torches everywhere, just just backing out back to back, I think. That would have been my way to get out of there. Yeah, well, I mate led the way and I every now and then I look, just kept checking over my shoulder to see if I could find any eye shine or anything. But, yeah, like, like you didn't see anything. It's, it's pretty – it's a different level. And, you know, that's what we would start talking about with the grizzly attack and whatnot. And, I mean, oh, actually, like in the news this week, it's been um, oh, there was a jogger attacked up at Fraser Island or Gary for uh, by the dingoes up there. There's like four that attacked this lady and she ended up in hospital. Yeah, I heard about. That. And then I sort of hear stories like yours and go, man, like dingoes are pretty small. Well, I've, I've mm. encountered a few over at Fraser and just went. Personally, I'm not sort of worried about them. But then you hear when you're talking about the smallest was like the largest German Shepherd. I've got a German Shepherd. And I go, yeah, I know what they can 
you know, I, can, I know what they can do and I've seen that, you know, between them and the Belgian Malinars that, that the police have and whatnot and seeing what they can, how they move and what they can do and then go, all right, another animal that's bigger again. Damn, like you're, you're starting to talk some serious, serious predators here that could knock out you pretty quickly. That's, um, that's scary, man. <laughs> Did you go back out? Yeah, well, that was the first night. So I had like two more night, nights of hunting left. So it was like it was a, it was a three day hunt or three night hunt. So like we went back and how did that play out in the back of your head? Were, were you a bit more like on edge up in that blind, knowing that they're around and potentially stalking you? No, I was just sitting there and just kind of was like, oh, well, I know they're around, so like I'm going to be a bit more prepared, but I'm still focused. Like I want to get eyes on a bear. Like that's the like that's that's the biggest baddest thing about. So like I, I want to see one of those, and I never laid eyes on a live bear the whole trip. Oh damn! Mainly because. The day before my hunt, it dropped snow. So they went back in the hibernation and I was hunting uh, higher. The guy I was hunting with from Q8, he was hunting at a lower elevation and he had two bears walking in and they were having an argument trying to work out which bear they needed to shoot. Yeah, bloody hell. I would not have thought of Croatia as – and look, I'm not massive in the, the trophy hunting scene, so I would never have thought or pictured Croatia being the place to go and hunt bears. I just picture Alaska, US, they're, they're the areas for bears. I wouldn't have thought about Croatia. It's interesting. What else can you hunt over there? Well, you've got mouflon, mouflon sheep. That's, they're pretty gone. They've got their own subspecies of chamois over there. You've got wild boar, like the Eurasian wild boar. And they've got like, red stags and, and roadie as well. And they got that. There's, like there's like a bird, like, like a giant, like a, a huge grouse type species of bird. Like it's almost the size of a turkey type thing that you can hunt there too. Okay. But, yeah, there's a little island right off the coast there, and it's, apparently it's got fallow deer on it. But fallow deer are introduced there, so all those fallow deer are inbred, so they're not really good trophy quality there. But, like, yeah. that was, like, a little interesting thing they were telling us about. But they were talking about how bow hunting isn't legal in Croatia, but because these fallow deer are introduced, you might be able to bow hunt those. Yeah, okay. It's interesting. Oh, look, I, it fascinates me a lot when I hear about all the different laws and rules across like the different countries when it comes to be firearms or bows. And it's, um, yeah, it's interesting. And all that crap that's going on down in SA. And, and then I think Vic, there was a bit, um, the AJP candidate down in Vic wanted to try and ban bow hunting again. It's it's very frustrating sometimes when you think about that. But, yeah, it's always a bit of an eye-opener when you're hearing about other different people and what they're doing over in different countries and we sometimes think we've got it hard here, but then I hear about some other countries and we've got it relatively easier. You know, it's not as tough or there's more places to hunt. It's a real tricky one. It's, um, you know, I think it's, it's, it's good to see people like yourself and other people getting content out there and, and whatnot, because I think that's important that we're getting what we do out there. And, and my big concern is just, you know, with YouTube and things like that, the censorship and, and whatnot, you got censored. Wasn't it? Did I see you post about being censored? I think that was um. We shared someone's. Yeah, Eureka Tactical. They got like they they got um censored on Instagram. Yeah, okay. Because they were showing guns on their stuff. Yeah. In their on their photos and their Instagram was like, well, that's not that doesn't go with our policy. We don't like that. So yeah. they so they didn't like they just didn't get rid of any of their stuff. They just sort of made it that people couldn't discover their things to find their yeah. So they got on with the algorithms. Yeah. So they just like. They make T-shirts and they write articles that promote hunting in Australia and or they like trying to promote the, I suppose you promote the sport if you if you call it a sport. But but yeah, like they're like they're not selling firearms. Like they're sort of more like well, Dan's like the vice president for Firearm Owners United. So like but like yeah, like they're just they're just pro guns, but they're not selling it, any of it or doing anything that sort of push that point. I think it's look, it's just the way it's going at the moment. Is I know YouTube are really whether it be the algorithms. I was I saw like Nathan from Edge of the Outback. He lost eight lost eight thousand viewers or subscribers overnight, and it's just I think it's something that people need to be mindful of. And hopefully, I know Zach um, from Hunting Connections. He put out uh, a different link. I think it was Hunt Hub, maybe off the top of my head. Yeah, I've got it. I've got like one or two videos on Hunt Hub. Yeah, so what's the go there? I haven't had the chance to jump on. I've been pretty flat out lately. What's the what's the go? Is it it's basically like a YouTube, but just for hunting, or yeah, it's basically it's it's 
YouTube for hunt, hunters. It's just all hunting content. Like I, I suppose you, if you want to track fishing on there, you can. Then, but like it, it's just yeah, hunting content. But it hasn't really taken off quite yet. I think because yeah, it's just not as many people are aware of it. I don't think. I think that's the biggest one for all those. Like great idea because I think it's having a space where you're not going to be censored is important because I, I do feel that YouTube is doing a lot of those things. But it's important to also understand that geez, they're hard to get up and running when they're competing against the YouTube because, you know, the site, YouTube site is number one. Like when you talk about the, the, the watch, the minutes spent on a social media platform or a platform on the net, YouTube is, you know, one of the biggest, I think, if not, I think it's second off the top of my head. So when you've got something like this trying to develop, it's going to be harder to get it out there because when you're jumping on Google and looking for those algorithms and it's going to be down low compared to things like YouTube. So it's um, so hunt hub. If you're out there listening, hunt hub, get out there, check it out because the more people get on there and look at it, the more that's going to grow. And that's probably a good thing because if it does get to the point, YouTube ban a lot of the stuff that's getting out there, well, that sucks. And at least we've got a bit of a backup. So it's good to see you, you know, getting on there as well. And I think the more content on there, is something that's a real positive for the the sport or the industry? Yeah, well, I know Brett Brett Meldrum's jumped on Hunt Hub as well, and he's got a couple of videos on there. So like he's like more than rock ready to, to jump over there if he has to. But I think he's a bit like me, like sticks to the YouTube because that's just that's where you get the views. Like I've um like my Red Deer video, you have to go look for it. Like you can't, it's not going to pop up as a suggestion because I've got some. I I chucked in some butchering bits in it and. I don't know if I just didn't how I worked the algorithm. Obviously, I did something wrong with it. Like, no, nah, that's too graphic. We're not showing it. So, like, it's not, no one finds it. Like, it's up there. You can go up and watch it, but like, you've got to like be like over eighteen and click the button and do all that nonsense. And it's like, yeah, it's like one scene of taking a back leg off, like how to take a back leg off, and another scene on how to take out a back strap. And yeah, YouTube didn't like that. Was that the one you did with the Havlon blade without the handle? No, no, not. That's a different one. That's a different one. I, like, it's the video I, I did, Kate. I was like just all red, ready hunt, hunting, and it's like, like, it was like my best ofs. Like all my okay. early videos that I made, like the best of since I've started filming. And then, like, after I finished the last episode, we were just, just like, no hunting in it. It was just a collection of footage of wildlife and things I've seen out bush. After that one, I started doing like the one dedicated hunt videos, like, like, the, like the, the 24 spoof one and the taken. <laughs> Taking my young fella out, pig shooting with me, or taking Lana and the Americans out, like all those ones, like they've like, like I, I'm put those out that like as soon as I finish filming, sort of thing, if I've got the time to do it. What made you want to get into that filming side of it? Because it's sort of that, as we sort of touched on before, it is really tricky when you're, you're doing things and then shooting film and things like that. And, you know, like credit to everyone out there that does it because it's just that it's another massive element to the hunting game. Where did that come from? Were you sort of getting bored with hunting and went, hey, I'm going to throw an extra challenge in here? Or It was more like I enjoyed watching hunting content as a kid. Like I grew up watching Tony Bizarra, Whistling Foxes, or going pig shooting up, up at the Cape, watching Jack Birmingham, Eddie Calling Elk and Hunt with the Bow, which eventually led to watching Meat Eater and like love the stuff that Renella puts out and then getting on the Jim Shockey. And I think watching Jim Shockey and like the work that Brennan, his son does like for Uncharted and those shows, I think that was like if I could do something like that, that'd be good. But fortunately, I don't have the same production no. as they do or anything. And I've got a bit of a different, I like to, well, I've got a bit of a sense of humor, so I like to put a different spin on things. But if I can, I think the closest thing to like a serious film I did was my chamois hunt, and because uh, I like by the way I did that because that was like during the COVID day, so I tried like sort of tell the stories like this is what was going on at this period in time when we did that hunt, and then this is the hunt, and then that's what happened afterwards. And I thought that was going to be a really good video, but uh, I didn't didn't take off as well as I thought it would. But look, that's one of the things, isn't it? When you're throwing content out, so I had Lawson on from Bale and Scaling and Barbecue, and we were sort of just having a chat about all that. And I was saying how that the more content out there, the better, right? Because what someone might like him doing or they might like listening to him and they don't like listening to me, that's cool. I don't care. Get the same guests on, you know, have a different chat. It's going to go in a different way. Like it's not that big a deal. And as long as someone's 
engaging with someone or they like someone's stuff. And as you said, yours is a little bit different because, you know, you like to, to come at it from a sometimes a funny side and things like that. That's going to appeal to certain people that other stuff is not going to. So that's good. Like we need more different characters and people out there and, and different styles and things like that. That's not a bad thing. That's the way I see it. As I was saying to him, the more out there, the better. And if they love him and they don't like me, great. That's cool. I'm fine with that and vice versa. If they love both of us, that's a win. But at the end of the day, it's about putting stuff out. It's about trying to hopefully do it in a really good way that's going to connect with people, that's going to grow what we're doing because I keep saying we need more hunters. We need more people that are going to fight the fight because people that aren't involved in hunting, they're not going to stand up for our rights to hunt. And that's where, at the end of the day, it's a political thing. It's a numbers-driven game. And whilst the biggest numbers are in the city, which is disconnected, the people in the city are disconnected from hunting, it's going to be the uphill battle we face. So when people are throwing stuff out there, hopefully it's just we're getting stuff out there, people are connecting with whoever it is putting it out there. So you know, if you're out there and you're even thinking about it, do it. What do you got to lose? That's my sort of personal opinion. Yeah, well, like I did, I, I thought I'll just do these first couple of videos and I'll see how I go. And um, Lawson actually hit me up and was like, he just gave me like a huge confidence boost, like he said he liked what I was doing and to keep at it. So I was like, well, why they will this like one guy likes what I do, then I'll keep going. And slowly, I got, I got encouragement from other people too. Like I've only got like only over two hundred subscribers on YouTube, but like clearly they're liking what I do. So what? At this point, I'm just doing it, doing it because it's a, it's fun now. I'm more than not trying to get anything out of it, just because like, oh, I film it like it. And like you asked before, like do I do it for, as a challenge aspect? Well, I never used to, but now it's got to the point. It's like it, it helps add on to that challenge. Sometimes it backfires greatly. Like <laughs> one one extreme is I shoot two fallow bucks, but don't get it on film. The other extreme is I try to get a big ball and I lose the ball when I should have just pulled the rifle up and shot it. So it's a pendulum. <laughs> And look, that's where I said to you, it's really interesting when I watch like some of the footage and whatnot off different people and yourself when you had, like, I really like the one where you had the two cameras and I actually messaged you and said, Hey, how did you do that? Because it was really cool to see the photo of where you're shooting and the photo of you shooting at the same time. And you threw it up on a split screen. If you haven't jump on and check it out. And it's almost, it's an art form. You've got to be thinking a couple of steps ahead to be able to do that. As you said, sometimes it just pops up. Game will just pop up. It's really tricky to be able to try and shoot, but then shoot yourself with the camera and do all these things. So it is a massive challenge from from that side. And I can see how that would also be attractive. But there's one of the things, and this is one of the reasons I sort of like I love when people, you know, let us know that they're enjoying the content. You know, that spurs me on. Probably would have been easier after the last podcast ended to just say, no, done and dusted. But I had a lot of people reach out and and have been really supportive. So that was fantastic. I went, oh, cool. I'll, I'll, I'm happy to keep going. And I love the chats. So one of the things in my mind is also leaving something for my kids. So then being able to hear these conversations, that's a really big play for me. Like that's one of the reasons I want to do this is that I want them to be able to listen to my conversations with all these different people and, and have something here hopefully after I'm gone, that they can, you know, throw on, listen and, and learn from my experiences as well. Yeah, well, it's funny you say that because um, you know, sometimes like, I've, I've got to go away for work, like out, out west because we've got a property out there that we work on and sometimes I might be out there for a couple of days and, you know, and the missus might get a bit annoyed with the kids nagging, where's dad, where's dad? So like, she's like, oh, you want to see dad? Well, she just chucks on the YouTube video. So oh, there's dad. And then the kid will be happy for a minute. <laughs> Well, it works. I mean, it's just like FaceTime, but uh, you're yeah. doing something fun. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I get that. I I think it's a good thing. And then you got your, your young fella in there too because you got, um, you know, a couple of young ones there. That then makes it harder too, getting out and about and then sort of cherishing those moments. Have you found that? It's been, been a bit of a, a difference when you've got kids? It's That's like a completely different element because – the idea of stealth just goes out the window. I have, yeah, I've yet to take my little fella out. When I say my little fella, my oldest, I should say. He's uh, nearly three. Only on the back that I, yeah, stealth, man, like he's really loud and I could not see him being quiet at all. Yeah, no, look, I started taking Leo out when he was four months old. But at that point, like, I was only bow hunting because like, I didn't want to bust his ears with the, with the 
gunshot going off because like he, you know, you put him up, so he plugs on him, you, you just pull him off right away. Especially if it's in yep. the Catman do pack riding on your back. Yep. So like I just I so I used to walk around for the bow, like never got a thing for the bow with him. But then like we eventually um upgraded to the rifle. I was using the two do three because that's my go to with him because like I know that's like a, a low caliber, it's not gonna bust his ears. So you know, and like we'd fluke it like we got a pair of foxes one one trip and then like another trip we went out we got a, a pair of pigs and mind you when we were getting the pigs I had to wake him up so I wouldn't scare him with the gunshot because he would he <laughs> fell asleep on the stalk. But yeah like and as the one YouTube video that I did, I thought, oh the pigs are just there. Like that's an easy walk. I won't even bother putting the pack on. Like we'll, we'll just walk down and do it and then like the pigs moved off and we kept stalking on them and it just that turned into a mission because then eventually he just got sore feet. He didn't want any part of it. So then I had to carry him all the way back up the hill to the Ute. But like we got two pigs and I filmed all that, and I was putting it together. And like my partner Nikki looked over, and she's like, "How many seeds did he eat?" I'm like, "What?" Because if you watch the video, and you're sitting there looking at the pigs, he's sitting there picking grass seeds and eating it. So there's a little something bit of to look out for on the on the video if they go watch it. Yeah, kids are a different element, aren't they? They're uh, to hunt with, but even just like so demanding of your time, so it makes it even harder and. And then when you're filming and editing and putting things together, that's not easy either. So throwing it like there's all these elements to it that it just adds to the uh, time and length and then lack of time also to get out and about, which doesn't make it uh, helpful. What do you love chasing the most? Is it pigs? Well, I, I do shoot a lot of pigs, but that's mainly because I, I'll be working. I work on on farms, and like I just see the damage. Like they're in big numbers at the moment, so it's sort of like it's sort of criminal to ignore them because they're doing that much damage like so like i sort of make an active effort to try and step on top of those and it's not just me hunting them either we've got local local guy that goes out with his dogs chasing them as well and like and like we'll think get real bad we'll use a trap but don't get me wrong i do love chasing a, a, a big hog but like i don't know like my thing has always been red deer red deer has always been like that driving passion for hunting that's led me to go chasing other things yeah what is it about the reds? It's that raw. It's always been the raw. Like this, like when you get them fired up and you can call them in, or yeah, just echoing across the hills and on a foggy morning, like it's like like it's unlike anything else. You talk about it, and people go, "So how can you tell the difference between a red stag raw and a and a cow bellow?" I was like, "You you know, like I I don't have to explain. Like if you hear one, you you'll just know." Did you see the um? There's a clip on YouTube, uh, YouTube, Facebook. It's doing the rounds at the moment. I think it's over in New Zealand. Um, old mates uh, gets a, a stag, a red stag with a spear. He sort of creeps uh, up Tim on Wells. It from above. Is it Tim Wells? I don't know how old it is. I, I've had about in the last two weeks. I've had about four people send it to me, and I've just sort of seen it where he throws the spear, and if you haven't seen it, it sort of drops in and hits him sort of right in the sort of spine near the top of the oh, – sort of bottom of the neck, I think, and it just drops it. Yeah, it just drops it. But if you keep watching the video, you can still see he's, he's still alive. Oh, is he? I haven't – I've only got the clips on Facebook and um, Instagram, like the little sort of couple of seconds of it. And, um, yeah, it was sort of like, oh, I don't know. Jeez, I'd been I, – I can never imagine myself doing anything like that. I just think the uh, – it's hard enough to get pro, you know proficient with the bow, ever known than throwing a spear and and hitting in the right spot. That was pretty crazy. You know, Tim Wells is a he's a he's a character. Like he's a, he spears and he's used buddy blow darts and things. Like he's like he's like he's a bloke who's got skill in what he does. But sometimes I don't know, like if I had that footage from that hunt, I don't think I'd be game to put it up because I think that'd be MO against the hunting community. Yeah, I can see that because it does look um, like a lot can go wrong. And I I look, mate, hey, he might be able to knock it on the head every single time with that spear. I don't know because I haven't seen other stuff. But I just imagine the things that can go wrong and how hard that would be to do. And it's an interesting one because I've spoken to a few people, both hunters and non-hunters that have seen it in the cir- like circling around. And it's interesting to see the reactions. Some people, some people are all over it. Some people think it's great. Some people think, oh, I don't know if that's a good thing to be putting out there. It's, it's interesting. And I, you know, I've said for a long time, I'm sort of very big on people doing, you know, what they want to do. Um, I don't know if, I would put it out there. I know, and that's a personal choice. And no, I've got no issue with anyone 
putting it out there. I just think that I personally look at it and go, hey, is that going to benefit what we're trying to achieve or us staying able to hunt? And I think that's how, you know, my personal opinion is that we need to think about those things because the more things that aren't great out there, that's just more ammo. Like as I mentioned before, the the AJP down there talking about bow hunting and their, um, I think they said that their, their thing they were pushing was that kangaroos are getting shot in the hundreds by um, archers and they've got arrows sticking out of them left, right and centre. Now, I've seen a couple of photos that they generally are the same ones that they use and circulate all the time. And it's like, is that it? But the more out there, if it doesn't go to plan, that's also going to be put out there too. So if you can do everything you can to make sure it's an ethical clean kill, that to me is a win because you are taking that power away from people like the AJP who are trying to find anything. And look, they're going to find stuff still. Well, that, that's the reality. We've got to understand that. But we also got to understand that let's not make their job easier. Um, that's just going to cruel probably us in the long run. Yeah, unfortunately, with the likes of the AJP, like their their minds, it's very, I suppose, stubborn because like it's not just hunting. They go, they'll go after farming and shearing. Like they'll go after anything to do with animals. Yeah, to buddy to block it. But like hunting's an easy target because it's easy to get get the average Joe to turn against it. And an unfortunate thing in hunting is like not you can't guarantee perfection every time. No, not at all. Like. I've got a there I've got a goat hunt video there and I, I, I made a poor shot. I was bow hunting, I made a poor shot, it was too far back. I debated greatly whether I wanted to put that up or not. If it was the right thing to do, whether I was gonna be ammo or not. And after I thought about it, it's just like well a lot of people like those meat eater episodes where like things don't go to plan and they don't get anything because it's like it's honest and true. And I thought, well, I'll go that route and go, yes, I got the goat, but like I didn't do a great job of doing it and I'm not proud of it, but like I still got it and then needs to show that like, like you can't be perfect in everything you do no matter how hard you try but that doesn't mean don't stop trying to be good at it i think the big one there is i think it's how it's depicted how it's put up if you're putting it up and you've stuffed up and the animal's suffering and you're laughing and joking and things like that then then i can see that distasteful sort of side and element but if yeah. you've if you can show that genuine sincerity and that remorse and saying oh I stuffed up and you know it is hunting still we got to understand that like it's it's a serious thing you're taking something's life but if things go wrong that you are that remorseful and thinking about it and and not wanting that to happen because the majority of hunters I know and the ones that I, I like to hang around and associate with they don't want to see animals suffer they you know want to make sure that we do everything as best we can and as you said things go wrong well that's the nature of what we do but it's i think also the emotions and the reactions to it and i think that's why steve ranella hits such a chord when something does go wrong you can see how annoyed and upset and that comes across in that cinematography which is really important because that's showing the side of it that it needs to be out there what is probably not needing to be out there is, as I said, someone gut-shotting something or, you know, and, and laughing about it or seeing an animal, you know, crawling around in distress and, and thinking it's fun and just filming it and not putting it out of its misery. That's where I think we start to give ammo away. And that's something, you know, just, uh, you know, for, it is something for us to be thinking about because the reality is as we continue in the next few years and, you know, decades and things like that, it's going to get harder and harder and people are not understanding. Like if it's easier for the farmers at the moment to, to justify what they do when the AJP attacks them. And it's easier for the population, the general population to go, Hey, they, they're cool. Like we need food. But when that starts to shift and that changes and I'll put something up on the socials. If you haven't checked out the socials, Oz hunting and beyond on Instagram or Australian hunting and beyond podcast on Facebook, and it was a 3D printer printing steak. Yuck. Yeah, I've, I've seen that one get around and I was just horrified at the sight of it. Man, I just sat there in disbelief because they're talking about, oh, what type of steak do you want? How much fat do you, content do you want in it? And it's like a minute it will print out this steak. And I was just like, I'm grossed out anyway. I'm just sitting there going, what the hell? That's where it's headed. And the big push is talking about climate change and, you know, we don't need cows and blah, blah, blah. 
that's really concerning because if that starts to gain momentum, then, you know, if farmers ever become a target, what, are, what hope have we got as hunters? Um, you know, like it's, it's sort of going down that, that pathway. So it's, yeah, it's one of those tricky things. I think just we need to, as a collective, be a bit mindful of what's getting out there, how it's getting out there, um, controlling the narrative in a positive way because we need that and we need more people doing that and especially our governing bodies. We really need some, I guess, collaboration and some working together from them for the common good, not just in the isolated pockets that I feel currently sort of happens. Yeah, it's like the whole political side, it's just sort of hard, hard to get a grasp on because people that all like they say they'll stand and fight you, but they all, they all got something that's a little bit more important than, than what you want. Like in some cases, there are some people who before that they fight harder for gun laws more than hunting rights or that sort of thing. It's like got to work out which one you want to you want to put up the fight for, which one you want to back away from, and it's I don't know I think that's what I'll never get into politics. I it'd be too much of a bloody headache. But oh yeah. I know Kat, my mate Cads's buddy dipped her toe in it a couple of times and she's going to keep doing that. And I think if yeah, more people like her keep going at it, then there might be a bit of hope. Yeah, she was actually – I think she went for the local seat here where I live and um, I'm not sure what percentage she got, but it was good to see. And um, she ran for the SFFP. And I think we, meet, we need more people out there running and, and – promoting and, and doing it. and she does a really good job i really like what she does and um you know especially with the women she's you know women shooters and always pushing it with the double SAA and having range days which is great to see i think we need people like that pushing it out there so she's doing a fantastic job and i think that's the thing with politics isn't it it's it's someone's not going to like what you're doing and it's a tricky one too because you're sitting here like like our conversation now there's going to be people out there that don't agree with what i'm saying and that would throw up everything on YouTube and doesn't matter and oh, stuff them, who cares if we piss them off? Well, that that is one attitude to have. And yeah, fair enough, you're entitled to that sort of opinion and attitude too, but is it going to be beneficial in the long run? Maybe not. Maybe it will. I don't know. Either way, we uh, just got to keep plugging away and doing what we're doing. But So the Red Deer is a favorite. Is it just during the raw or do you really like chasing it at all times or is it just that sound that really gets you fired up? With the exception of the the, the summer months, like I'll, I'll happily chase them all year round. Because yeah, like it's obviously like the the most exciting and fun time is during the rule. But like that doesn't mean like I don't like I won't if I wanted to. I could go out tomorrow and go for a bush, bush stalk and see if I could find a hind or a, or a stag moving around. But I've I've got to the point now like I've shot a few different age class stags that look like I'm holding back for a big one. Although <laughs> the last one I, I did shoot a, a dinky. Nine point just because I had Leo with me and I thought, oh, how cool would it be if I, if I got a stag with, with my boy with me and I, I couldn't resist the temptation not, not to take the shot, so I shot that. But, yeah, but if I'm hunting for myself and all by myself, I'm generally trying to find a bigger one, but that was like the one exception I, I sort of ignored my own rule. So you did post about where you're at, whether you're a trophy or meat guy, which one comes first. Where do you stand on that? I've always, um, like, I just grew up seeing things as ferals, like deer are feral, pigs are feral, foxes are feral. So, and um, I know we always sort of told, like, oh, you don't eat feral meat, like, it's bad and not healthy and, you know, red deer's gamey, yada, yada. So, like, meat was never, like, a, a big thing pushed growing up. So, I thought, like, oh, I don't know, how cool would it be to get antlers? So, like, tro- so chasing trophies was always a thing. But, like, as I've gotten older and going out more, like, I've, Finding a big trophy is part of the challenge, like trying to find like, that old older animal. But at the end of the day, like my main goal for hunting is always the adventure, like the, the journey, going out and doing it. And if you get a, a good trophy at the end of it, that's great. And then like as an added bonus, you, you get the meat. Like I'll I'll take what meat I can. Sometimes I can't eat it all because I'm the only one that eats it in the house. Slowly trying to work on the kids to eat it. But yeah, and but I'll, I'll We'll share it with, with friends as well. I actually convinced the old boy the other day to eat a venison pie, so that that's shocking. Mate, you'll have to get him over to Lawson's new channel, the uh, Wild Game on Open Flame. I've been holding out, wait, waiting for him to drop a few videos. I uh, Yeah, I like the rabbit one. I was, you know, we uh, I think we recorded before he we went and did that rabbit special, so I was hanging out to see his Kentucky Fried Rabbit. But um, uh, look, those things, like I love watching Hunt Catch Cook and, and now Lawson stuff there too because I think that's, for me, that's the opposite side of it. I've never really 
been into the trophy side. I, I get the appeal of chasing bone. I get it. Um, but for me, I, I want the meat. Like that's the the big one for me. I love food and what it turns into as well. So that's you know one of the things for me saying, hey, I want to get the meat and then turn it into this, and because I love cooking, so it's sort of that holistic journey as well. So yeah, it's pretty exciting. I, look, hunting is so multifaceted. It's just awesome. I love the fact that so many different people from such different walks of life can just get together. And, you know, I chat to people that I would not even probably come across in my day-to-day life. So it's always great to, to get people on and have a chat and, and hear their stories, their backgrounds, what's happening. I have thoroughly enjoyed having a chat. I loved your wolf encounter. I um, man, <laughs> That is so cool. I, any story like that, I just sit there and go, oh, that's, I'm so torn whether I'd want that encounter or not. <laughs> so, I really do, but then I'm sort of like, I, you know, I, I don't know if I'd want to be that because I'm also I'm now on the fence because I've got the young family too of not doing as dumb things uh, as I used to do when I was a bit younger. But, um, man, that's cool. Any plans to go back to Croatia? Um, I was planning to, but then sort of like just going up because I'm originally, when I did that hunt and it came to an end, it's got, hey, like your bear tag, that lasts for the whole year, so come back in the fall. And I was like, shit, I can't come then because I've got a tar hunt booked <laughs> at, at the same time that's meant to go down. So, like, and like, that's a, a trip I was owed from an outfitter. So, like, I was in, like, I kind of can't miss out on that. Gotta so, I think it. I'm going to cop on missing out on the chance at a brown bear and go hit New Zealand up for for some tar. And, you know, I, I, ended up, I ended up getting a 12-inch ball that trip anyway, so it was good. Look, at the end of the day, it's about the experience. It's about the the cool places you get to go to. And and that sounds, you know, that as I said, as soon as you told us, I said, I want to hear it. Let's go. Uh, you know, Croatia, I didn't even know they had wolves. So, you know, hearing not just that they've got wolves over there and bears. To be fair, I didn't know that either. Oh, it's cool. It's like I, I've learned something, and that's why I did the podcast is to talk to different people and learn stuff. Now I can say, hey, I learned the fact that we've got – bear and wolves in Croatia and even the hunting side that you can't hunt the wolves if you're international, but you can do the bear and it lasts a year as a tag. Man, there's a couple of things there that I'll keep in the back of my mind. So if I ever get the chance and, and book over there, I'll, uh, I'll probably hit you up and have a chat to you and say, hey, where am I going? So I'll, I'll, point, I'll point you to the website anyway. Fantastic. Mate, I really appreciate you coming on tonight and, and sharing your story and um, keep doing what you're doing. If you haven't already, drop and game with Cody Guerin on YouTube. Check it out. Subscribe. Have a listen and a like. And, mate, yes, thank you for coming on. And we'll uh, I'm sure we'll keep in contact and talk soon. Yep, sounds good. I had a great time coming on. Thank you. All right, Cody. Cheers, mate. And listeners, bye for now. If you have a topic, guest, question, or any gear that you want to hear about on the podcast, shoot us an email, australianhuntingandbeyond at gmail.com. Alternatively, find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All the links are in the show notes. If you haven't already, make sure you give us a review and subscribe to our podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. Thanks for joining us and we'll catch you next time.